Bless the Lord. Amen. How good is your God this morning? Hallelujah. How great is your God this morning? Hallelujah. The joy it is to see you in God's house this morning. Appreciate his faithfulness to get us through the week. Bring us back to his appointed place at his appointed time. We welcome those who are listening in this morning. Wish you were here. But since you couldn't be here today, we're grateful that you chose to call in and listen and participate with us. Worship with us. Don't just be a spectator, but you're invited to participate from right where you are today, your home, your job, your car, vacation, wherever it is. We're glad you're with us this morning. I want to take the opportunity to remind you to be on the prayer call this afternoon. Be on the prayer call Wednesday at 12. Bible study Wednesday night. The year is passing so quickly. We're, uh, what, uh, two weeks? No, one week from Thursday, right? My goodness. We got a lot of ground to cover. <laughs> We're running out of time. Uh, but we are, we are grateful for the season. Amen. The weather's been pleasant. The food's been good. The dolphins won. Amen. You 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 just can't beat it. Amen. Hallelujah. Ask you to open your Bible this morning to Daniel chapter 2. While you're doing that, if you'd like to give today, you have the variety of ways you can do that. The gift, the the offering box is here in the back. You can mail your gifts. You can go online to our website. L-H-C-O-G-F-L dot O-R-G Lighthouse Church of God, Fort Lauderdale L-H-C-O-G-F-L dot O-R-G You can give there You can also download the podcast from there If you want to catch up on some of the previous Bible studies or sermons However you're giving Thank you so much for your support keeping these lights on, keeping it possible to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ from this pulpit is of critical importance in this hour. We talked about it in Sunday school. The darkness seems to be growing exponentially. But we who are of the light, we can't put that light under the bushel, can we? we got to let it shine. So thank you for helping us supporting us here at Lighthouse Church of God. Any other matters? Any other announcements to be made? All right. Praise the Lord. Let's read our scripture this morning from Daniel chapter 2. We're going to read verses 44 and 45. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, 
and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. May the blessing of God accompany the reading of his holy word. Father, we give thanks for the word of God this morning. Thank you for its inspiration. Thank you for those holy prophets that your spirit moved upon to reveal the things of heaven, the things of the kingdom of God. Thank you for its preservation, Lord, as you have ensured that this word would come down to us uncorrupted so that we might be able to know what is the heart and mind of God. Thank you that we have it in this translation today, that we might read it and understand it in our own tongue. We might comprehend the things of God. Now I pray, Father, today for the anointing that is contained within the Word of God to be released by the power and the authority of the One who gave us this Word this morning. Let that anointing flow freely. Let it flow clearly through the one who speaks today, for you know all of his limitations, O God. And let it flow into the hearts and minds of those who have come today to receive the manna from heaven. Let it take root. Let it bear fruit. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Today, as we draw nearer to the end of this series of messages, we look at the third of the exile prophets, the prophets of exile. We already talked about Jeremiah and his ministry to overthrow, to uproot, to pull down those uh, things that exalted themselves against the knowledge of God. And we're just, just looking at Ezekiel and his calling as a, as a prophet to, in, in Babylon to maintain the integrity of the people of God, to give them the hope of a, of a, of a renewal, of a, of a new kingdom that would come. And today we move to the prophet Daniel. And uh, I think for a lot of us who grew up in Sunday school, Daniel's kind of always been our favorite, hasn't he? Uh, we love the stories of Daniel, whether it's the, whether it's the three Hebrew children and in the fiery furnace, whether it's Daniel and his friends, refusing to bow to the statue of the king or, 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 or Daniel in the lion's den. That was kind of my, my personal, you know, growing up. I kind of, I kind of like that one. I still remember the, uh, the flannel graph that the Sunday school teacher would use. Uh, and you'd have, uh, you'd have this, this, uh, these, these fearsome looking lions, you know, with their golden manes and their sharp, uh, uh teeth and, and you'd see that holy angel of the Lord with his hands over their mouths, shutting their mouths so that they would not touch the man of God. I, I just like that, you know. I, I, just, I just like that image of, of walking among the lions without fear because God was with them. And, and so Daniel's always had a special place in my heart, and I, I'm sure he's had a special place in your heart. And, 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 and 
But as we move into the prophecies of Daniel, last week I talked about uh, understanding the prophetic patterns, why God speaks to his people in prophecy. Uh, we, we've all, we would all love to just have a big old encyclopedia of everything that's ever going to happen, right? And, and how it's going to happen and when it's going to happen. We can just read that and look at that and know everything that there is to know. But God, God has not chosen to tell us those things. God has chosen to give us certain prophetic themes. I call them prophetic patterns where he wants us to understand his sovereignty as God where he wants us to understand our need for faithfulness as his people, and where everything is to point to the revelation of Jesus Christ. And if we looked at those patterns throughout, we'll find each of those patterns in the book of Daniel. As a matter of fact, Daniel 1 begins with a prophecy or with a test of the faithfulness of the prophet. Will he partake of the king's food? Or will he be content with that simple food that God can bless and that God can work through. And, and so we see that theme immediately in the book of Daniel. But as we move into chapter 2, we see the first of the great visions of Daniel. And this establishes what I would call to you today the kingdom authority of God, the kingdom pattern of God, as God is the one who raises up the kingdoms of this world, and God is the one who takes them down. Now, I know it's a struggle sometimes to really understand or, 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 or comprehend how and why God works that way, how and why God uses what can only be described as corrupt kingdoms, kingdoms that do not reflect the integrity, the holiness, and the righteousness of God to accomplish certain things and certain tasks in this world. And I'm going to do my best today to try to help us understand this, even though at times I struggle with it. I look at those uh, who have to power in my lifetime, both here in the United States and all across the world. And, and it's a struggle sometimes to see the hand of God, to understand how and why he has raised up this particular person or this particular authority at a particular time. Sometimes we, 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 we tend to, uh, if, if not, in, if not in, our, in, in word, but at least in our thoughts, we tend to wonder, is God really paying attention? Does God really know what he's doing when he puts this person in power? But I want you to understand, and Daniel's going to help us understand that God is always at work, even when we don't understand how and why he's working. Yeah. And so in that great kingdom vision that was given, not, by the way, to Daniel, but to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we, we kind of forget that sometimes, that God was speaking into the, just like he had done with Pharaoh in the time of Joseph. God was speaking to the, the kings who were in power, the, the emperors that were in power, and through visions in their own mind but that it took a man who knew God to bring the vision to reality. Now, when we look at this, I want us to understand, first and foremost, the visions that Daniel interprets in the prophecies of Scripture concerning the kingdom of God do not always address every question that we would have answered. Sometimes we we feel like that we are... Uh, 
uh, uh, that if we could just get God to sit still for a minute and we could put on our prosecutor's hat or our lawyer hat, right? I, I've got a deposition tomorrow that I've, I've got to represent the company on and I'm going to get asked a million questions. And sometimes we like to put God in the dock, so to speak, yeah. and ask him, why do this? And what does this mean? And what does that mean? And, and, and just have God explain everything to us personally. And I agree it would be nice if he did so. Yeah. But God does not answer to us. Amen. We answer to God. So when I talk about the kingdom patterns, it doesn't deal with everything. The kingdoms that Daniel saw in this vision are those kingdoms that had a direct bearing on the people of God. Nothing is said of what is happening in China. Nothing is said of what is happening in the kingdoms of Southern Africa. Nothing is spoken of, the, of what might have been happening in the Americas at this time. Only those kingdoms which directly affected the plan and purpose of the kingdom of God are addressed. He talks about Babylon, which had taken the people captive. He talks about Persia, which would let them return to their own land. He talks about Greece, which would come and occupy and rule over the land. And then he mentions our last and final kingdom. That would be the kingdom that would be in control of Jerusalem and of the people of God when God chose to set up his work in this world. And we look at that and we say, why is God so limited? Why can't he just tell us about everything? But we understand that God doesn't tell us everything, but he does tell us what is necessary. Amen. He tells us what is needful and necessary for us to know to be able to move forward in faith. To be able to, he gives us enough information that we will know he's in control and that we can trust him to fulfill what he said he will do. In the days of these kings, who are these kings he's talking about? He's talking about that iron and clay kingdom that would represent the end of the fulfillment of those kingdoms which would be established to govern the land of his people. In the days of these kings, God said, he will make an end of the earthly system or the earthly manner of ruling and reigning. Now keep this in mind and understand this. Behind every visible authority that you know, prophecy reveals to us that there is an invisible spiritual authority that controls or that governs or that influences. And I would say this is even true of us today. There are still thrones and dominions and mites and powers. There is still spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And behind the authorities of this world, behind the administrations of our presidents, behind the administrations of our governors, behind the administrations of those who serve as prime ministers or kings or people of power around the world, there is always a spiritual reality Amen. and a spiritual authority. And that spiritual authority is not always, always obedient or in service to God. Much of the authorities of this world are in rebellion against God. The king of Babylon, though he was doing God's work, was not humble towards God. We read that a few chapters later about how God dealt with his, his, his particular pride and his particular issue. But one thing we've got to understand is rebellion against the authority of God does not negate 
the authority of God. You can fight against God. You can think you're serving your own particular purpose and your own particular desire, but it is God who is directing the course of history. Here he's telling he's telling Daniel in Babylon, 500 years before Julius Caesar would cross the Rubicon, before the kingdom of Rome would even be established, he is telling Daniel, when it comes to my people, I am always in control of their destiny. Somebody praise God about that. We may panic for the moment. We may say, how can, how can God's people prosper under such an evil administration? But God is always in control. The second thing we learn is God reserves the right to use the unrighteous to serve the purposes of the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. God reserves the right to use the unrighteousness, to use the unrighteousness of those in authority in service to the kingdom of God. Nebuchadnezzar was not righteous, and yet God used him. The kings that would follow him would not be good kings, but God would use them. God would take one of the most uh, brutal kings of, of all of history and use them to advance the cause of the kingdom of God. We may say, I don't understand that picture. Wouldn't it be better if we had righteous rulers, righteous administrators? Wouldn't it be better if the church was in charge of the kingdoms of this world? Well, we've tried that. <laughs> and it has never served the church to have temporal and earthly power. So, now, wait a minute, Pastor. You're telling me that we should just, when we go to the ballot box, we should just try to choose the most evil person we can? No, <laughs> that's not how that works. When you go to choose a, a governor or a mayor, you, you should consider their character. You should look at what kind of person they are. But you should understand that the kingdom of God is not advanced through political means or political power. I don't know how many times we have to learn this lesson. As a matter of fact, I, I say have to learn. I, I, I think it would be nice if one time we would just learn. Amen. Because I don't know that we've ever learned. I think the I think most uh, of God's people today still think that they can accomplish the mission of the kingdom of God through political or the uh, political or earthly or temporal power. And yet God says, no, that's not the path that I have for my people. Some people say, well, shouldn't shouldn't uh, shouldn't we just uh, try to make the society a little better, have just legislators and just judges? Absolutely. All of these things are biblical. But the one thing that we've learned, or the one thing that we understand is that for the moment, the powers that are in control on a visible level are not sympathetic to the people of God. And this appears to be by God's design. He said, Pastor, how can that be? Because God does not want anybody else to get the credit or the glory. Understand, 
When God came to establish, I, I want you to look at that second line. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. What comes from man, what is built by man, what is controlled by man, will perish. Every kingdom, I know some people think the end of the world is here because such and such is president or so-and-so is prime minister or so-and-so is in charge. But the one thing we learn from God's governance of history is they come and they go. But the kingdom of God remains. And the people of God remain. Some folks... This one president would put us all out of business. Others thought the next president would. But guess what? The church is still here. We're still alive. We're still doing the business of God. No matter who comes into power, if it's of man, it is going to end. It is going to perish. Adolf Hitler thought he could build a thousand-year kingdom. He didn't even make it to ten. Come on. Hallelujah. The Khrushchevs and the, and the Lenins and, and the Stalins, they thought that they could govern forever and ever. When I was growing up, and this might date me a little bit, but it's okay. I don't mind telling you I'm on the other side. Right? I went up the rough side of the mountain, but now I'm going down the other side of the mountain. It's all right. But when I was growing up, it seemed like the Soviet Union was this eternal thing. It seemed like there was such power and they, they ruled with such force. You could not imagine a world. You couldn't imagine a world without that monolithic power in it. And yet in my lifetime, I saw the wall come down. Praise be to the God of heaven, who is not subject to the temporal powers of this world. Everybody today is worried about China. China's going to run the world. They might run the world for a little while, but I can promise you this. The God who raised them up is the God who will take them down. Amen. Well, what about our country, Pastor? Is it the United States uh, 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 in the will of God? And will the United States last forever? And I would say no. I say no. I say that with a heavy heart. I don't say that with any great pleasure or glee or enjoyment. But this United States, although I believe it has been used by God in many powerful ways, it's still a kingdom of men. We confuse. One of the biggest mistakes I've seen made in the church is to confuse the country with the kingdom. Yeah. Amen? Some in pulpits today, and I may get a little backlash from some by saying this, but I don't say it in malice. No malice in my heart. I love my country. I do. I pray for the United States of America. I pray for my leaders. I pray that we will be a light on a hill. I pray we will uh, uh, spread the gospel 
of Jesus Christ throughout the world, which I believe was the primary reason this country was founded. I believe that we can be a light to those nations that are still in the bondages of despotism and tyrannism, and and, and we can be a, uh, an economic force for good in lifting the, the standard of living for those who are hungry, who are who are, who are suffering. I, I believe there's so much good capable of being done by this nation because of our diversity, because of our resources. I don't believe there's been a land as blessed as this land has been blessed in the history of the world. I say that I say that openly. I love this nation, and yet I am acutely aware that this country is not the kingdom of God. And that more and more the kingdom of God and this nation are coming into conflict. More and more what was once useful to the kingdom of God and what served the kingdom of God is now being used to hinder the kingdom of God. And that, if we learn nothing else from Daniel, let us learn this lesson. When any earthly kingdom gets in the way of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God will crush it. In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up his kingdom. Amen. That's an exclusive statement. It means none of these kings can in themselves claim to be the kingdom of the God of heaven. All these earthly and temporal powers. And let's, let's talk about our own nation again, because it's too easy to point the fingers at others. All of these earthly powers that are resident in the governments and in the, in the court systems and, and in the political and economic institutions of this nation, of, of, of any nation. But let's talk about this nation. They can be useful to the kingdom of God. They can be used in, a, in, in one sense of the way God can use them and use their authority to allow for the kingdom of God to grow and expand. But let's be clear. They're not dependent. The kingdom of God is not dependent. The kingdom of God has flourished under the hands of dictators. The kingdom of God has flourished under the hands of tyrants. Those who thought they could do uh, uh, ultimate damage and destroy the kingdom of God are now resting in their tombs. But the kingdom remains. In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will establish his kingdom. How will he establish his kingdom? He won't do it through a political authority. If Babylon had been the kingdom of God, Babylon, with all of its glory, with all of its power, with all of its gold, would still be here. But now it's deserted in dust. Persia, for all of its glory and power, no kingdom ever like the kingdom of Persia, stretched from east to west. Now it's desert and dust. Greece, Alexander the Great, the greatest conqueror the world has ever seen. Nothing but a skeleton, if even that is left. And the nation he left behind is of little significance in worldly affairs. Even Rome itself, the mighty iron beast, the beast was 
as indestructible is but a memory today. But God did not use. He used those kingdoms to preserve his people. He used those kingdoms to prepare his people. But he did not use those kingdoms to establish the kingdom of God. He didn't do it through a political force. And it's by political force today some believe we can establish the kingdom of God. They're wrong. They're wrong. God is not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's not a Libertarian. not in the Green Party. He will use these political... I've, I've taken to calling them cults. These political cults. You say, Pastor, why do you use that language? Because if you study what a cult is, that's what they are. That's what they are. Democrats, Republicans, doesn't matter. It's cult. These political cults. He'll use them. He'll use them. But what does he use them for? He uses them to prepare his people for his kingdom. In other words, the only way in some cases to get some people to understand the nature of the kingdom of God is to contrast it with what the kingdom of God is not. Put all of your hope, put all of your faith in a political power or a political agenda and then watch that political agenda become corrupt and ultimately fail. That even when you obtain power, even when your side wins, nothing changes. Amen. The furniture changes, right? The guy or the woman standing behind the podium changes. But nothing changes. Why? Because they're just two sides of the same coin. Amen. That's all they are. But God says, now watch this. Whether this one's in charge or that one's in charge, this is to prepare you for the kingdom of God. Sometimes the only way to understand what the kingdom of God is is to understand what it is not. It's not political. It's not economic. It's not geographic. It's not about uh, a certain uh, uh, cornering a certain market on a certain resource. What is the kingdom of God then? How did God establish it? When in the days of these kings did the God of heaven send the stone that was cut without hands to pull down all the other authorities and powers in the world? Well, what's all the kingdoms? What's the one thing they have in common? They all were over governing and in control of one particular people. Right? God's people. And it was through people, and specifically through a person. What's the first recorded words of Jesus Christ in the Gospel of Matthew? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The biggest prophetic mistake we make today, church, is we still see the kingdom of God as something in the future, as something downhill from here. 
as something downstream, as something beyond this generation. We're still looking for a throne. We're still looking for a political power. We're still looking for a Babylon, for a Persia, for a Greece, for a Rome. But God said, this is not going to be the way I build my kingdom. I'm not going to do it for the Romans or the Babylons or the Greece or the United States or the Englands or any other nation. I'm going to do it through a person. I'm going to do it through one person. One person is going to inaugurate and install and initiate the kingdom of God. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That means it's here. It's now. It's present. What did he say? He said the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's not over here in this country. It's not out there in some desert. It's not over across the sea. Some say, oh, if I could just get to so-and-so, such and such a place. Right? That's been the dream of many of a pastor or a preacher. Including off and on this one. Amen. Every so often I get that carnal mindset. I was talking with a a relative not long ago, and they said, what are you still doing down there? By down there, they meant here. Their mindset was this place was unredeemable. Just just cut, cut it off. Just take a big saw and just cut off South Fork and let it sink. I had to pause for a minute, and I know the prejudice they came from. In their mindset where they are, God's in control. Everything's good. Everything's righteous. People vote the right way and worship the right way and look the right way and talk the right way. And where I am, the devil's just king and lord. And, and, I, and I wanted to go back. I wanted to argue. I wanted to say, you know, you people up here, you're not any better than the people down there. But I didn't want to start a fight. As much as it lies within you, live at peace. With all, right? As much as it lies within you. So as much as it lies within me, I choose to live at peace with all men. I said to them, I said, I, I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or just my recalcitrant nature. I said, what are you still doing there? Why haven't you left there? I said, because I haven't gotten them all saved yet. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Where is the doctor needed? Yeah. Where the sick are, right? I said, if I come up here, I can't do any good. You're all righteous already. Because <laughs> in their own minds, they are. Yeah. I said, but at least down there, I know there's people that need Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. But every once in a while, it enters the mind of this pastor. Oh, why don't you just go somewhere where people are good and right and nice and good and and faithful, and and you can have your little slice of the kingdom of heaven in some small town on some mountainside in some foreign country or state. Come on. I know. Come on. I don't want to talk out of school. But some of you are there. Some of you are there. Leave all this mess behind. And just go ahead and enjoy your little, your little piece of the kingdom of heaven. But God doesn't work that way. You know what you find when you get there? Same people, same problems, Amen. same trouble, yes. same issues. Amen. Amen. Devil's as much devil there as he is here. Amen. Amen. 
Some of you say, well, oh, no, no, you don't know where I'm, where I'm going. Everything's good. Okay. You go on and enjoy. I'll talk to you in a couple of years. We'll find out how good good was. Amen. Amen. But I'm here today to tell you, church, we don't have to go and seek the kingdom of God in some place or in some, some country or in some, some wilderness or, or, or in some political dream or some utopian fantasy. The kingdom of God is the person of Jesus Christ. And if we have him, we have the kingdom. The kingdom pattern is given to us not for us to build a kingdom like their kingdoms. That's been the biggest misunderstanding. We pattern the kingdom of God that we want to build after the way earthly kingdoms are built. And if we do it that way, what will be the result? The result will be the same as the result for those earthly kingdoms. Notice what he says here. He says, I know we're getting low on time. I'm going to skip, kind of skip to the end. This kingdom shall not be left to other people. It's not about, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it carefully. Not about being the right race, the right lineage, of the right heritage. This is not a kingdom that's for somebody else. This is a kingdom for whosoever will. This is a kingdom for as many as our Lord God shall call. This is a kingdom for blacks and whites and reds and browns, for yellows and blues and purples and greens. It's a kingdom for men and women and children. It's a kingdom for upper class, middle class, lower class. It's not for other people. I wanted to spend time on that, but in the interest of time, I'm going to move through that because I think, I hope you understand. Let me just say this about that. Tied with our obsession with political power, tied to it is our obsession with cultural or racial power. This idea that there is a favored people. I just want you to, I, I know I don't have to worry about that with you, but I just for, for posterity's sake, let me say it, let me say it out loud. There is no privilege in Christ to being born Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. Let me say it again. There is no privilege in Christ you're being born white or black, brown or red. There is no privilege. There is no advantage in Christ. Notice the emphasis there. It would be foolish to deny there are some privileges to how you're born in other kingdoms. Right? In a brown kingdom, there's an advantage to being born brown. In a white kingdom... There's an advantage to be born white. In a black kingdom, there's an advantage to be more black. But in the kingdom of God, there is no advantage to being male or female. There's no advantage to being rich or poor. There's no advantage to speaking English or Spanish or Chinese. The kingdom is not for other people. The kingdom 
It's for God's people. Whosoever will. Now let me move on. This kingdom will consume, break in pieces, all these other kingdoms. Amen. That word consume there can also be understood to mean fulfill or bring to a completion, bring to an end. When a man has tried his best, when man has tried every way he can think of to establish the authority and power of the kingdom, and everything else has failed. And this is why it hurts sometimes to study prophecy. Because as much as we want our own nation to be exalted, as much as we want our own people to be the ones who are who bring it about, who make it happen, in order for the kingdom of God to be complete, every other kingdom must fall. Amen. Every other kingdom must fail. Amen. It's not going to be the kingdom of God and. It's not going to be the kingdom of God plus. It's not going to be the kingdom of God as brought to you by. Right? Everything. If the kingdom of God is established already in this world, and we say it is because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the reign of Christ has already begun. He's already seated in the heavenly places. He's already at the right hand of the Father. He is already over all thrones and dominions and mights and powers. All the things that you bow to, bow to Christ. Let me say that again so it's clear. All the things you can imagine to bow to, to gain favor from, they themselves, those things we worship, worship Christ. Amen. 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 He is the head of all things, all principalities, all powers, all thrones, all dominion, everything on earth, everything under the earth, everything in heaven bows the knee and confesses with the mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. You think by serving some of these earthly things, these earthly powers, or even some of these spiritual authorities, we can gain some advantage, and yet they themselves. I love this. They must get permission from Christ even to rebel. Amen. It's like the little boy I read about in a story once who got mad at his mom and dad and decided to run away. So he got his little wagon out and he put his toys in it. He put his clothes in it. And he put his juice box in it. I don't know how far he's going to get on the juice box. And he walked out the door and he walked out to the sidewalk and began walking down the street. One of the neighbors saw him walking by and didn't think of another, but the boy circled the block, came by a second time. The neighbor saw him, didn't think any of it. He circled the block. He came by a third time. He said, what are you doing? He said, I'm running away. He said, well, why do you keep coming back here to the next door neighbors? He said, because I don't have permission to cross the street. Amen. Amen. He's trying his best to be defiant, but he knows there's a rule. He can't go in the street. And I want you to understand something about these so-called powers and authorities. They are under the authority of Jesus Christ. They can go this far and they can go no farther. 
It may seem like they can do what they want, but they can't do what they want. They can only do what their Lord and Master allows them to do. And when He's done with them, and I've got a good feeling in my heart He's about done with a lot of them. When He's done with them, and God's people have finally been broken, have finally been broken of their dependence on earthly power, then He will sweep them away like the dust and the ashes that they are. In the days of these kings, God will establish His kingdom. And we're part of that today. The kingdom of God is forever, Daniel says. And for it to be forever, every other kingdom must not. Everything we put our trust in outside of the kingdom of God is terminally ill. The fatal blow has already been struck. The stone cut without hands has struck the feet of the statue. And the statue has begun to crumble and fall. All this turmoil you see around us, it is the shaking. It is the aftershocks of the stone striking the earth. When they struck the blow, with the hammer into the nails that pierced his hands and his feet. When they took the sword or took the spear, struck him in the side, little did they know what they were doing. The kingdoms and the powers of this world began to shake and tremble. And I believe they're shaking and trembling today. Amen. Once more, I will shake the heavens and the earth. These things we see as so permanent. Nebuchadnezzar thought his kingdom would last forever. Cyrus thought there would be no end of the Persian Empire. Alexander couldn't have imagined that his great and glorious kingdom, and one like the world had never seen, would soon be consigned to the dustbins of history. Augustus Caesar in all of his glory as he stood and looked over a map of the Mediterranean and called it a Roman lake could not have imagined within generations it all be gone and yet one man hanging on a cross looking out across time seeing through all the mist and all of the clouds and all of the kingdoms that would come Established a kingdom that not only is still with us, but grows by the day into a mountain that will fill the whole earth. And there's something about these mountains. I just visited the mountains a couple of weeks ago. And you notice the bottom of these mountains in these ravines, there's, there's all kinds of things that have been ground up, crushed up by the weight of the mountain. So will the kingdoms of this world be. The kingdom of God is in the process even now of grinding all other kingdoms into dust. Don't be fooled by what you see. Our nation, other nations, 
may seem like they will last forever, but they won't. But there is a kingdom that will. A thousand generations from now, the United States may not even be in a history book. But a thousand generations from now, the kingdom of God will be present, active, and in control. Would you stand with me this morning? I cannot begin to tell you the comfort I take from the kingdom pattern in Scripture. As much as I like to know what's going to happen with this generation or that generation, as much as I would love to be able to tell you this president or that president or this pope or that pope or this king or that king is prophetically significant, I know that's all some people care about. All they care about is, what does it mean right now for me? Can we point a finger and say, this is that? I, I can't do those things for you. But what I can tell you is this kingdom, it's here. It's not going anywhere. And if, you got, if you're part of this kingdom, you ain't got to worry about any others. Would you join me this morning? And let's take the body and blood of our Savior together. I'm so grateful. It doesn't mean there won't be times of instability, suffering, as these worldly powers fight, struggle against one another for supremacy. Many times, God's people get caught in the crossfire. Amen. As we, as these earthly powers continually shuffle the deck, to see who's going to be in charge of the next generation. They recognize us, the kingdom of God, as their true enemy. Amen. They know that the kingdom of God, as long as it's active and present, they can never truly and genuinely have the power they covet. The power they have is but an illusion. So they're doing everything they can to overthrow the kingdom of God. Tear it down. Destroy it. But God said, once I establish it, it will endure forever. Nothing can overthrow the kingdom of God. So we stand on the establishment of the kingdom this morning. The kingdom that was established when this body, when the word of God became flesh, dwelt among us. And this body initiated and inaugurated the kingdom of God. Father, we give thanks for the body of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The physical embodiment of divinity, deity, holiness, righteousness, and authority. His authority in his own body to bring to pass and fulfill the purpose of prophecy, to bring the kingdom of God into a living reality. We thank you for him today, O God. We bless this bread as the symbol of that body today. We ask that it be health through our bodies,
strength to our bodies today to carry out the kingdom purpose for which we have been called. Bless this bread today in Jesus' name. Amen. Take and eat. Be made whole in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the strength of the body. The strength of the body of Jesus Christ to make us whole and healthy. To give us the strength to carry on the mission. Expand the borders. Hallelujah. Father, we bless this cup today. The symbol of the precious blood of the Lamb of God. What good is a kingdom without a people to inhabit it? Because of this blood today, each one of us can say in faith, by faith, that we have been born again into the kingdom of God. Translated, transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Taken out of the kingdom of this world and placed by your loving hand into the kingdom of the Son of your love. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes us, cleanses us, that nullifies and negates our sin and imparts the righteousness of Christ. For the kingdom people must be a righteous and holy people. And this is only possible because of this blood today. Thank you for this cup today. We bless it in Jesus' name. Take and drink. May the life of Christ be renewed in you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. I encourage you today not to be troubled in heart or in mind by the shifting of powers in this world. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Administrations rise and they fall. But God's kingdom endures. And if you are a member of that kingdom today, your place and your future is assured. And if not, it's a simple thing to become a member of the kingdom of God. No citizenship test. No 10-year waiting period. No classes to take. No visas. Green cards. Nothing like that. It is simply the confession of faith and loyalty and trust in the king of this kingdom. You become his subject by acknowledging him as your Lord and your God. And if you do that, guess what? Your kingdom place is ready. He has come to make us a kingdom, to build us a kingdom, and you are part of that kingdom. I give you thanks today, God, because I own you as my king. 
because I confess you as my Lord, because I pledge to you my loyalty, my trust. Our nation, sometimes to its own judgment, has adopted the motto of in God we trust, but are faithless to that motto. But when we today, your people, say, in God we trust, you know our hearts, you know our spirits, you know our souls, our minds. All our trust is in you, God. You are our king. We are your kingdom. For this, give thanks. In Jesus' name. All right, God bless you today. Greet one another in the name of the Lord. Be back at the appointed times. This has been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and on Wednesdays at 7.45 p.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org or if you're in the Broward County area, We would love for you to visit our church located at 1890 Southwest 31st Avenue, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33312. God bless you. Until next time, this is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through the storms of life.